Well, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. If you are a guest with us today, we are so thankful that you are here. If you would take a moment and whether it be your bulletin and use the QR code or whatever that code's called these days and uh, connect with us, we would love that. Or take a uh, guest card and fill that out. We would love to have a, some information that we can love on you and appreciate you. We promise we won't harass you unless you visit twice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amen. God is good, isn't he? You know, one of the favorite times that, that I enjoy is around this season getting to spend time with my mom and dad. My, my dad's a storyteller. Now, I'm not talking about that kind of story. <laughs> but he digs into the old wells, if you will, and, and we could sit around. And, and, I, and I have to admit, you know, now being almost 50, I've heard just about every one of the stories multiple times, right? My dad turns 86 in January, and, uh, you know, I know he knows that he's told those stories over and over again, <laughs> but you know what's great is, is I laugh every time. I just enjoy listening. I just enjoy spending time and valuing the history that, that he has, enjoying the stories of when he was a child and enjoying the stories of you know, when we uh, have gone to trips together through Honduras and Peru and many places and, and, and him telling the experiences again and, and how to see them in his perspective, always, it just always encourages me. It always uh, allows me to just reminisce about the great times that I've had with him, right? Wonderful stories. You know, there's a, a, another story that uh, we hear often, right? The story about Jesus. I know uh, Spurgeon was talking about one day he, was, he overheard somebody say, well, he's going get to get up there and tell that old, old story again. But you know, uh, something about the story about Jesus never gets old. The story about Jesus, it, it, never, it never runs dry. It's a fountain that continues to flow. It's something that continues to give life. It's something that we can grab a hold of. And, and why not tell it over and over again? Why not be encouraged by it every single day? Why not reminisce on what he's done for us? Amen? Amen. There's a, an old song that says, I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory! My Savior forever, he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me 
To victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. How he made the lame to walk again. And he calls the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. Then somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me. <laughs> Hallelujah! His somebody hallelujah <laughs> Woo! thank you Jesus aren't you glad that we have victory <laughs> and we can still sing the old old story <laughs> you guys sounded good we might just recruit you guys for the choir they didn't took the risers up but we'll get them back out if we need to if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Last week we talked about the gift of gifts. and We talked about the unspeakable gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 15. And, and, and aren't you glad that we have an unspeakable, indescribable gift that's been given to us? And, and we really related that to the grace of God. God's grace is so rich and so full that he compassionately cares for us and that this journey is not a religious journey. It's a journey of relationship. It's a journey recognizing what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary allows us to have right relationship with the Father. Come on. And because he made a way where there was no way, we have a relationship that we can find peace with God. We can find favor with God. We can find the hope of God. And, and I'm so thankful for the unspeakable gift. And to think that, why is it unspeakable to think what he did on the cross of Calvary when he died that day? I mean, listen, they were abusive. They were slanderers. They, were, they beat him to unrecognizable to think that 
It was unspeakable to think of the things that they did to my Savior, and yet he loved me enough to be willing to take the punishment of my sin, to die on that cross, to be beat, to be have a, corn, a, a crown of thorns thrown on his head, pushed down so big that, that scientists say that his head probably swole to the size of a basketball, and, and yet he loved me enough to do just that. He loved me enough to, to have his beard plucked out. Come on. To be spit on, to be slandered, to be called all kinds of names and, and to accept every bit of that without jumping in and without trying to defend himself. He recognized that he, his defense was the Father. The Father let him suffer so that we would not have to suffer in sin and in, in the wages of sin is death so that we could overcome death. What a gift. A gift. That so often we overlook, so often we turn aside, so often we let sit on a shelf, so often we don't recognize because we would rather allow somebody else to have their way and yet God wants to have his way. If we would just surrender to him, if we would just allow God to work in us, to do a, a miracle in us. Come on, somebody. I mean, how many have opened a gift and let it sit on the shelf? How many have taken something from God and said, well, that's, that's good, but you know, I'll, just, uh, I'll just look at that later? How often do we just shove it aside because we understand the gift means that something has to change. The gift means that there's something in us that cannot continue the same way it's always been. The gift in a, that is being given to us says that I love you where you are. I accept you as you have come. But I love you so much that if you'll surrender to me, I can do something greater in you. I can empower you to be the children of God. I can give you the authority that I have given to my son because you have been seated together with him in heavenly places. Do we want us to receive it? Are we willing to be clothed with it? Are we willing to accept it? Come on, somebody. I might just preach right here. Amen. I mean, look. So many times we've turned our back on it. So many times we've walked away from it. So many times we have, have looked the gift Look the gift in the mouth and said, no, I don't want it. I mean, we are so often like the prodigal son who's been in the house. We've been with the father. We have sat at the table. We have experienced the blessings and the gift of God. And so often we've been given the right to the house. And yet we walk away from it. Yet we turn our back from it. But praise be unto God. Just like the prodigal son can make a choice to walk away, he can make a choice to come back. <laughs> Aren't you glad? He can make a choice to come back. And the father doesn't look at him as a second-class citizen. The father doesn't look at him as just uh, another servant to sit and do the labor inside his house. But he says, you are my son. The father looks at him, and when he knows that when the son's coming and the community has already uh, seen him as an outcast, when the community has already said he's not worthy, he's not welcome, and he can't come back, the father runs to him and chases him and loves him enough to put a robe around his around his shoulders 
The father's willing to look at the son who is broken, who, is, who has lost everything. A, a son who has given everything up, who has, who has squandered every gift that he's been given, who has literally been, had the right to be called an outcast, who is no longer welcome, and yet the father looks at him and says, that's still my son. That's still my child. That's still the one that, that I brought into this world. That's still the one that I care about. Yes, he has failed. Yes, he has squandered, but I still love him. Aren't you glad the Lord loves you? And he loves him enough to bring a robe. You know, did you... I'll get here. This is a thought out plan. This was not a spur of the moment. Well, oh, hey, the sun's coming back. This was a thought out plan. How long had the father got up every morning, sat on the front porch with his cup of coffee, thinking the day might be the day. Today might be that moment. Today might be the day that my son comes back. And, and, and he thought it out so much so that he had all these elements with him. Man, you, you, that blows my mind. When he met him on the road, he didn't just happen to grab something to put on him. He had a plan. He, he, he was forethinking. How I many know that you've been called chosen from the foundations of the world because the Father's forethinking? <laughs> Amen? Because the Father knows at some point you're going to make your way back. And because He loved you so much and you made your way back, He's already prepared to receive you in His fold. Amen? And when he saw the son and he ran to him, the Bible says that, that he girded up his loins. Listen, it wasn't proper for, a, for a, a man of his age to show his legs. Because it wouldn't be proper for you to see mine. <laughs> These old chicken legs hadn't seen the sun in so long, you'd have to wear thick sunglasses. It wasn't proper, but he threw tradition out the window. You didn't hear that. He threw tradition out the window. He threw his own glory, he threw his own properness out the window because he knew that there was a son that wanted to meet him. Come on. And he girded up his loins and he ran. It wasn't proper for him to run, but guess what? He ran because he understood what was going to take place. The kazah was going to take place. And the kazah is that the city would meet him. The people of the community would meet him. This son who was an outcast at the gate. And they would take a, a, a pottery and they would crash it on the ground. So that they would say, you are no longer welcome here. But the father, being prepared, ran. And he ran to him. And the Bible says that he fell on his neck and began to kiss him. What's that say? 
He stank. He'd been in the pig pen. He was nasty. Look, I'm, y'all, I know what working in the pig pen is all about. As a 14-year-old little boy, young man, there was a retirement center in the middle of the country near our home in Belton, South Carolina. Doug Anderson and Ken Anderson were uh, the directors of this home, and, and my brother was close with them. And so I, I went and worked in the pig. They, they, had a, they had cows, they had pigs, chickens, and they would raise these to sell. And I had the great privilege <laughs> of working in the pig slab. I didn't get paid. I did it because I enjoyed helping. But I would go and pour the corn into the feeders and I'd spray off the slab. And those pigs just love when that water hit that slab as it splashed on them and they would come and just cuddle up <laughs> next to me and rub all over me. But the unique thing is when I got home, you know, my mom was a, a woman of modesty. She was a, a woman who believed that, that we should dress decently and, in, and with modesty. But something about going into the house with those clothes on Changed her mind. Because when I got to the door and opened the door and she got a whiff of me, she said, no way, boy. You're not coming in. And literally, I would have to undress to the skibbies before I could go into the house because she says, that is not coming in my house. Yeah. And just think that this son had been wallowing in the pig pen. He wasn't just cleaning out the pig stalls. He wasn't just slopping the, the pigs. He wasn't just out there because uh, it was something he enjoyed doing. He had reached the bottom of his life. He had, he had fallen to the lowest possible place that he could fall. And for a Jew to be in the pig sty was even a, a, a slap in the face to his own religion, his own faith. And so when his father saw him, you can imagine the smell. He's probably tried to wipe it off, but there's dung all over his face. His clothes, he didn't get to go by the, the, the five and dime. He didn't get to go by Target and get him another set of clothes before he got home. He was still in the, in the stench of his life. He was still wallowing. Though he was walking, he was still wallowing in the past. He was still smelling like the, the junk he came out of. And yet the father, oh, what a gift. Yet the father was willing to fall on his neck, to overlook the stench, to overlook everything that he had done, to overlook the attitude that he had when he left. Because when you think of the attitude he had when he left, for him to ask for his inheritance before his father had died, was to say to his father, I wish you were dead. How often do we leave those we love 
with hateful words. How often has families haven't seen each other in years because just a few little gabby words. God help us. And yet, even though the son looked at his father and said, I wish you were dead. Even though he had received the portion of his wealth and he came back and squandered it all, even though he had lost it all, and even though he stank, his father still fell on his neck and loved on him. He ran prepared because he knew his son, though he had lost everything, was still his son. Come on. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Before the community could engage this young man, the father took a robe and covered him up. He hid his shame. How many times do we walk around still wallowing in our shame from our past? Still carrying the hurts and the baggage from what somebody else did to us and even what we caused ourselves. Still wallowing in it. We carry that around as if it's a badge to, to glory in. Oh, I got hurt so many years ago at church and I just don't ever want to go back. So and so just, they said the wrong thing to me and I had a bad hair day and I'm, I blew up and I just don't know if I can go back. I'm embarrassed. How often do we allow the, the look? Don't you recognize that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood? You are not my enemy. The people that I come in contact with at the grocery store, at the gas station, at the restaurant, or wherever I'm at, they're not my enemy. The people who talk down about Jesus on the radio and on the TV, they are not my enemy. I don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But there's some principalities and powers. There's some, there's some spirits of this dark world that, that want to attack and want to cast down and want to throw down the body of Christ. And I need to get on my knees because this battle's not going to be won with a fleshly fight. It's going to be won on the knees before the Lord Jesus Christ with a sword of the Spirit in my hand, with a shield of faith, with a helmet of salvation, with a preparation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will be won because I have fought a good fight and I have finished my course. He covered his shame. He covered all the wounds that he had been walking with. He covered the heartbrokenness. How I many know that somewhere underlying in so many people's life, their bad behaviors is, is a result of something, a wound down deep inside? of an emotional struggle that they've had, that, that whether they've been told they're no good, whether they've, like myself, I mean, I remember as a 15-year-old a having my father, biological father, abandon me at two and a half years old, and I remember going to his house when I finally got my license and thinking, Oh, I'm going to get to see my dad. Knock on the door and walk into the kitchen and, and he looks at me and says, boy, you got a father. I'm not him. 
Been waiting for that day. Been waiting for that moment. I remember it put me in a tailspin in my life. Identity crisis. Wondering who I am. Whose I am. Struggling and fighting with, with, do I even love myself? Does anybody love me? If my father doesn't love me, who loves me? Who cares? I'm just a problem kid. I cause problems everywhere I go, and that was the truth. I remember multiple times thinking, if I could just take this car and plow it into some tree somewhere, it would be better off for everybody. How many times did that son think, if I could just end it in the pig pen, if somebody would just come and and just beat me to death, would it be better for everybody? I'm lost, I'm undone, there's nothing about me that's good. I mean, I have squandered it all. I have nothing of value. I have nothing of worth. I myself have defied myself and defiled myself. I'm sitting in the middle of a pig pen so hungry that I'm eating the slop that's given to the pigs. There's nothing of value left. I might as well end it all. But somewhere deep inside, there's a message that says, even my father's servants have better than this. Even my father's servants have food on a table. Even my father's servants have a place where they can lay their head. (laughs) Jesus said, even the son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. And the father When he put that robe around him, he took away all the shame. He took away all of of the the bad-mouthing. He took away every bit of the hurt and pain. The Bible says to cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Look, I bet this young man had heard over and over again that he was a creation of God. I bet he... I bet he understood through, through his Hebrew upbringing all the things that God had done for him. I knew there was something deep that just stuck down inside him and says, there's got to be something better than this. And that father covered every bit of his shame. He covered every bit of his pain. Though the son wanted to wallow in it, Lord, Father, I'm not worthy of this. He said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It ain't about what you're worthy of because you are not worthy. <laughs> You don't deserve, no, you don't deserve this. You deserve what this community wants to do to you. You deserve the wages that you have bought with the low living that you have lived. But even still, the gift of God to cover a multitude of sin. You know, that would be enough, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? I mean, just to know that, that we've been covered. I am covered, covered, covered by his blood. Come on, right? Wouldn't it be great just to know that we're covered by the blood of Jesus, that we're covered, that our, our sin has been forgiven, that, 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 that we are now no longer walking in the shame and guilt of the past, but we're, we've been covered with the, with the robe of righteousness. 
But you know, God is so good. And His gifts are so amazing. Even though we don't deserve them. Even though it's, we're unworthy of receiving them. He didn't stop with just covering us. He didn't stop with just making the relationship with the Father right. But then He says, I've got more to give you. And the Bible says that He put shoes on His feet. He gave him something that elevated him from a servant to somebody in the home. He put shoes on his feet. Come on. And then he put a ring on his finger. Now, to me, to recognize that the robe of righteousness is more than enough, but then to imagine the father... You've heard me talk about the father. It's really the prodigal father because prodigal means extravagant. And the father was so extravagant that he didn't have to give him anything. But he was so extravagant that he went beyond the love of, of covering his sin, beyond the grace of restoring his right relationship, but then gave him a ring of authority. I think too many times we have been thankful for the gift of being covered by the righteousness of God, but we have not taken to the ring very well. We've not taken to the authority that God's given us over the enemy very well. I sat in getting my tires rotated and oil changed the other day and talking to Brother Tommy. He's a children's pastor and and, and began talking to Tommy, and me and him was just sharing, and, and he was talking about Jonathan Kahn's new book that's out, and, and I thought, man, that's, that's really interesting. And we began talking about the, the authority that the body of Christ has and how often we don't use it as we should. I mean, we allow... The enemy's presence so often around us. We, I, I think that too often we have gotten comfortable or at least we have gotten to the place where we have come accustomed to having its presence around us. We've allowed darkness. Well, I'm not saying that we're darkness, but I think we allow darkness around us. And we allow it to influence and affect how we live because we live under the pressure and oppression of the darkness that's around us. And yet we've been given authority to cast out. We've been given authority to, to set up and establish the kingdom of God around us. Right? For the Bible tells us that the gates of hell shall not prevail, right? And too often we have taken that as a defensive stance that we'll just dig a hole and we'll just stand in until all hell breaks loose and we'll, and we'll just be able to withstand it. But it's not a defensive stance. It's an offensive stance. Because we've been seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We have been given the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to tear down and destroy the gates of hell. We've been given the authority to walk in an overcoming fashion in this world. 
I have come, John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. We enjoy life, but are we living in the abundance of life? And the, the, the hard part is, is that in our carnal, materialistic life, we have uh, now fashioned that in the form of just taking care of our flesh. The abundance of life is just, well, I've got this plush thing, and I've got that plush thing, and I'm just happy, and everything's beautiful because I've got just enough funds to make it in life. But even in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that he's given us every spiritual blessing. It's not carnal blessings, every spiritual blessing. Man. So when I think of the every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, I have to realize that, that, that the doctrine and theology that has been pressed in our American model has been a false doctrine. It's been a doctrine that says, if I have, I'm good, and if I don't have, I'm bad. It's not true. I mean, what would we tell the church of Smyrna today? How would the church of Smyrna be able to recognize our American indoctrination of the Word of God? When the, when the, when the, when the Word of God, you look at that and they say, he begins to look at their tribulation and begins to look at their poverty and he says well done right he doesn't say well if you'll just keep on going I'll get you out of it he doesn't say well because you've been poor for this season I'm going to make you rich in heaven he doesn't give them that he, he basically says hey keep on suffering Keep on fighting. Keep on living for me in spite of the circumstance that you're in. No matter, Luke chapter 6 tells us that it's the poor that should inherit the earth. Oh, that doesn't sound good, preacher. And with this government, I'm just about there. God help us. To recognize it's not about what we can gain. What are we teaching our kids? What are, we, what are we leaving them? I mean, look, I get it. My dad's generation, they were poor. They were so poor they didn't know they were poor because everybody was poor. When I took him to the jungles of Honduras and he walked into some of those shacks that we walked in, he said, man, this reminds me of my home when I was little where they fed the chickens through the floors because when you swept it, just fell to the floor and the chickens were underneath getting whatever was left over. They didn't have heat and air condition. They didn't have nice fancy sheetrock walls. They didn't have all that. Poor. And, and, and I see it as a generation, well, I don't want my kids to live like I lived. And so we give gifts in such a way that it brings harm instead of such a way that helps. I have a friend, his name's John McNabb. He owns several resorts. He owns 20-something 
lobster boats in Honduras. He would be considered very wealthy. And, and, and he told me, because I, I, I got to, I did his father's funeral, I did his mother's funeral, I have uh, did his uncle's funeral, and, and I've developed a relationship with his family. I, I learned in Honduras that if I could reach up higher, that they would help me reach lower in the community. And they were able to do amazing things. But I watched how he treated his sons. He didn't give them just handouts. He made them work. His 16-year-old daughter was running a, a restaurant that he opened for her to run. He didn't give it to her. He made her work. If it failed, it was her fault. He didn't give anything. He made them, uh, when, he started out as a 16-year-old learning how to be a boat captain. And at 18 years old, he was sent out for the first time by himself onto the sea for nine months as a shrimp boat captain. 18 years old. How many send your kids out at 18 years old? We're still halfway wiping their rear end. But yet, they had responsibility. He understood his role. He understood his job. He didn't take it lightly. And he grew to be the, the patriarch of his whole family, as his dad was. He's bailed out, uh, uh, un- he's ba- he's bailed out brothers and nephews who, who they have went to the model of, well, I didn't have it when I was growing up, so I'm going to give it to my kids. And those kids have squandered everything they've given him. What gifts are we leaving? What legacy are we leaving our kids? What gifts are we giving? Thank God for grace. Thank God that he loves us enough that, that he lets us make a choice. And the very first part of this, uh, this gift was the choice. We have a choice. Will we live for God or not? Somebody said, well, it's not a choice. If he's known that I'll make that choice from the very foundations of the world. Yes, he knew whether you would accept him or not. He knew that that you would either walk away or you would come back. He knew that whether you would walk in him or not. He knew your last breath, when you breathe your last breath, whether you were serving him in Christ Jesus or not. He wants you to walk in his authority. He wants you to be covered. But we have a choice to make. Will we surrender to him? Will we come back home? Will we allow him to do his work? Will we surrender to him and say, Lord, it's your way and not my way? It's not about my pleasure. It's not about what I can gain in this world. I had a little shirt. I'm closing. I had a little shirt when I was in high school that I wore, and they made, me, they made me take it off and turn it inside out and put it back on. It was a Christian T-shirt. But it said, no hot rods in hell. We, we want to give our kids something lasting. But what is more lasting than the truth of God's Word? Because as much as I can equip my kids to play soccer, and I love watching them. I love going to every game. Love it. 
But soccer's not going to get them to heaven. As talented as they are, as much as I want them to enjoy and, the, and, and, and realize they gain skills of team working and they gain all kinds of skills is it worth missing out on the word of God and the truth of his word is it worth because look most high school students will not play in college they're done after high school If they make it to, high, uh, to college with a scholarship, which is very few, I mean, it's like 1%, if not less, actually can go on to professional sports. But yet, we see people training their kids at five and six years old like they're the, the next messy. But I would rather equip them with the word of God and know that they've got their head screwed on right know that they know how to make choices and decisions based on truth rather than than the lie of the world know that they can dream dreams and have visions of what God's plans is for their life and know that, that if they're surrendered to God that he will direct their path then to give them a the sky dream without the word of God because if you put something before God then they're going to put something before God even more it's called the law of the lid if you're full of God it says that most will be 80% if you're only 80% they're going to be 60% if you're 40% they're going to be 20% if you're 10% they're probably not going to be here. It's more than just coming and sitting on a pew on a Sunday, slapping, high-fiving, and saying, Whoa, amen! It's about being a part of the body of Christ. If your kids are connected in, as a part of the body of Christ when they are young, they have more of a propensity that they'll be connected when they get older. But if you never connect them when they are young, then you can't expect them to be connected when they get older. It's like gears grinding. It just don't flow. They've never felt a part. They've never felt like they've had a role. They've never felt an ownership of the body of Christ because they've never invested themselves. But Jesus gave us the gift of right relationship. He's given us authority over the enemy. He's placed dignity on our feet. No matter how bad we've been, no matter how unruly, no matter how bad we've messed it up, today can make a difference. We make a choice. Choices have consequences. I don't know what your choice is, but you can make a different choice today. You can say from this day forward, I choose Jesus. From this day forward, He's more important. He's the priority over everything else. From this day forward, I choose to accept the gift that He's given me. 
And no matter how bad I've squandered, no matter how bad I've failed, no matter how bad I have not been the example that I should be today, I take a step forward and I surrender myself to the Lord that He can teach me, that He can direct me, that He can show me, that He can begin to shape and mold me to what He wants me to be. I'm ready to make that choice today. It's all right. I'm going to say today, I'm ready to make a choice to surrender to the Lord. I'm ready to make a choice to embrace the gift that He's given me. I'm ready to live to the measure of the calling that He's called me to. I'm tired of living below the standard that He set for me. I'm tired of squandering the blessings that I have on myself. I want to serve Him with all of my heart. Come on, is that you today? Pastor, I want more. I want more. Amen. Anyone else? My hand's raised because I don't ever think ever get to the place where I feel like I am where I need to be I want more I don't want to be satisfied because I know on this side of glory there's more there's more if you'd say pastor I want more would you raise your hand so much better. Lord willing, he's coming home today. Went to the hospital Friday and he left the hospital at 11.30. Amen. And he, he probably left with his track shoes on because when I saw him at the hospital, the nurse was having a hard time keeping up. He's doing well. But we've had various ones with hip surgeries, knee surgeries, have those who are surgeries coming up. I want us to, to believe that for those specific needs, if you have a specific need that you'd like us to pray about, would you raise your hand? Yeah. You see those hands close to you, would you just put your hand on them? Well, can we believe together? Yes. Father, we thank you. Lord, that despite the struggles that we've had despite the bad decisions that we've made Lord you love us and today we choose we choose God just as the son who squandered it all chose to come back home Lord today we choose to surrender to you God that you would have your way in us God that you would transform our lives that you would bring healing and wholeness in us Lord, that we would not just be those who walk around with a robe, but God, that we would wear the ring of authority, recognizing that, that we have the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. As it is in heaven, so shall it be here on earth. Lord, let us walk in the authority that changes lives. Lord, the authority that brings healing and hope into people who are broken. Lord, help us 
be able to, to stand in the gap for, for those who feel defeated and recognize that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, that we have the victory, that we have the victory in Christ Jesus. God, I pray for healing and renewing and strength. I pray, Lord, today, God, that there will be a flow of healing in this room, Lord. God, that it goes forth and is not contained in this room, but, Lord, it begins to overflow that where we go, God, as your word declares in John chapter 14, because I go to the Father, greater work shall you do in my name. I pray that we will see the works of God flowing through us wherever we go. Lives changed and transformed by the power of your love. God, we praise you. We thank you, Jesus, for today, for what you're doing. We give you the glory. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you haven't gotten a ticket for the children's dinner and play showcase, um, we have a few left. Miss Page, come right here. I just love this girl right here. Um, if you would like to get one, look, this is kind of like an RSVP. We need to know so that we can have enough food prepared for you. We don't want you to come expecting and not get. So make sure that you get one of these. Uh, we already have, I think, 104 or 106 or something like that. More than that, I'm sorry. That's already, that's already purchased a ticket. And recognize that this, if you can't afford one and want to be here, we will, we will cover you. We've had, we had some donations given to help. Um, if there's anything left over after the expense of the event, it will go towards helping the children's ministry. And, and they, do, they, they do a lot, and they have a lot of materials, and we're thankful for what they do. And if you'd like to support children's ministry, enjoy the play, and have a good meal, come get you a ticket. We want, and the youth too and the youth youth. I'm sorry y'all more than ch children but anyway and the youth as well Father bless each one of us God as we sang, sang the song earlier Lord bless us I pray that your face will truly shine on us I pray that we walk in the peace of God and that that peace begins to flow to others that they see the work of God in us and Lord, may they desire the gift that's been given to us. And Lord, may we carry it, Lord, with your compassion and your love, recognizing that you did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through you might be saved. Let us carry a message. It might be an old, old story, but Lord, it's a message that is still at work today. God, may we walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.